Welcome to another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast, Journeys of Descending into the Mysteries and Rising from the Roots. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, and today I have Madeline McKinnon on the show with me. Madeline is a nutritionist and women's health coach and period expert. Her online practice, Natural Hormone Healing, helps women get true lasting relief from painful periods, heavy flow, and PMDD using natural methods. In this episode, Madeline and I dive into the archetypes that we journey through in a cycle, the phases, how to work with your period and embrace it as a superpower, the herbs that balance the hormones, the medicine of rose, hibiscus, and pearl powder, and the witch's favorite of mugwort. Can't wait to sink into this episode with you. I am here with Madeline, and I'm so excited to dive into all kinds of magic around taking taking the empowerment of the female body and standing in our like sovereign self with periods and all that kind of magic. So I'm excited to dive in. So welcome, Madeline. And to start, what has been the journey that has brought you to the work that you're offering the world today? Oh, thanks so much for having me, Lisa. I started this path at a very young age. I started to learn all about nutrition and healing. Probably when I was about 19, I went down this path of just knowing that this is what I want to devote my life to. After I started learning more about how powerful like food and herbs and healing can be and something we're not talked about. And so I got really, I went to nutrition school I think when I was 20 and then started kind of going down this path of learning more about women's hormones because I found in early on in my career I would be chatting with a lot of women who were just struggling so so much with their hormone balance like through menopause um, fertility I would have so many conversations and it got me so curious to figure out what how what what can we do to support our hormones because know, the advice of just, you know, eating healthy, exercising, that worked hard, wasn't really cutting it for those women, they were still really struggling a lot in their body, and started to learn more about that and get curious. And then of course, along my path, I started to realize that I was developing a hormone imbalance. Uh, there was a time, you know, a couple of a couple of years in where I was experiencing really debilitating PMS symptoms. So for the second half of my cycle, I felt this switch, this flip after ovulation. And I felt like a different person, like just really overwhelmed by everything, really anxious, uh, just emotional. And I would have really sore breasts. So super sore, just for two weeks. And I, that just, that cycle just kept on happening over and over again. And I thought that it was normal because I would hear about PMS and I thought it was normal. And then I realized it wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't, I started learning and studying and learning that I think it was actually through looking into Chinese medicine where they say that, you know, we aren't supposed to have PMS symptoms. We aren't supposed to have severe period pain. And it got me seeking some answers. So I tried some things on myself, working with herbs, uh, working with some tweaks to my nutrition. And just with one month on this new protocol, my period just showed up, but it showed up in a good way. It showed up with no PMS. 
no sore breasts. I didn't even think it was coming because I didn't have any symptoms anymore. And I realized like, wow, this is actually not normal. And this is something that shouldn't be happening because this was really impacting my quality of life. Like I just felt horrible during that, that two weeks. And ever since I've been able to maintain relatively minimal PMS symptoms. Sometimes I, I have more than others some months, but now I use it as a sign to know, okay, this is a time for more self-care. So that's, that's how I got into it, but I, I really love uh, therapeutic nutrition. So using nutrition to support our hormone health and working with herbs and working with getting back in touch with our menstrual cycle and also balancing our circadian rhythm by getting more in touch with the earth. So just, I love it. And, and now I help a lot of clients with all different types of hormone imbalances, um, menstruation, fertility, menopause, amenorrhea, do a lot of work around that. And I absolutely love it. It definitely feels like a calling. Yeah. Well, that's powerful. And what it feels like for me is that taking our power back with our Mm -hmm. menstrual cycle, you know, all the phases that we go through in the month and the moon cycle. And most of us, like my experience was like avoiding my period most of my mm. life. Cause I'm like, Oh, it hurt. Like it's crampy. I'm a, I'm bitchy on it. Like it was just something that you avoided until, or didn't want to happen. Like kind of that, that shame might've been associated with it. And then when you start to work with it, it's like you, you cultivate a relationship with your period and it's really your superpower when you can tune mm-hmm. into our like inner nature and inner knowing and the wisdom that we receive when we're on our bleed. So that's, um, such a beautiful relationship to start to work with. So what are kind of the four phases that women go through and how do we start to like balance our hormones? If we're say like have really bad PMS cramps or get really moody right before, what does that look like? Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah. It's, I think, What's so important if we want to have a more sustainable relationship with our cycle and prevent a lot of these uncomfortable symptoms is first to build awareness around what to expect with our period. What should we expect? What's normal in terms of symptoms and what isn't? And definitely learning about the phases of the menstrual cycle can be really, really empowering because we go through, because since our hormones fluctuate with the menstrual cycle, we have our high, our our phase of our cycle when we bleed, that's when our progesterone and our estrogen and a lot of our hormones are at their lowest point. So it's very similar to if you were in menopause, it's very similar hormonal profile. Everything is very, is, is lower during that time. And that is actually going to impact our brain chemistry, how we feel in our body, Uh, our symptoms, our energy levels, everything is really impacted by this hormone fluctuation. So we have our menstruation, the bleed, and then we, and every single phase of the cycle is actually really similar to different seasons. So our menstrual phase, that's our winter, our winter time, where it's that time for hibernation, that time for going in. So it's normal to feel a bit lower energy. You shouldn't feel like you've been hit by a bus or you feel, feel like, you know, just so much pain that you can't leave the house. That's, 
that's something we want to work on, but it's normal to feel like lower energy and want to rest more and just want to nourish your body. So that's that winter hibernation. And then as our hormones fluctuate, uh, we go into our spring and this is what we call the follicular phase, our springtime. And this is when our hormones start to rise and get ready for ovulation. So your energy starts going up, your progesterone starts going up, and, or not your progesterone, your estrogen starts going up and testosterone will start to go up a little bit too. So you might feel this springtime energy. So you might feel that your libido increasing and your energy increasing. This is when a lot of the times, um, we feel at our best during that follicular phase because you're just getting this nice rise of estrogen and usually you don't feel as many symptoms. And then we go into ovulation and this is our springtime. And this is the time when they've actually done, scientists have done studies on ovulation and they find that it's really impacts like our libido for sure. Um, even noted, like women will even find they're attracted to like if, you know, when they've done studies of like looking at the faces of different men and they found that women were more attracted to the masculine type men during that time when you're at their peak. Mm -hmm. So it does impact us in many, so many different ways. And you'll have your libido peak, your energy. So that you'll notice that you're speaking, you might feel more like your cognition is higher. So it's actually a great time for public speaking, very magnetic. Uh, so that's the ovulatory phase and that's your springtime. And that, and then you go into your luteal phase and this is like your autumn. And in this time, this is when you might start to notice some of those PMS symptoms creep, creep up. So if things are in balance, you should, you're definitely gonna feel more inward. You might not have as much energy, but you shouldn't feel like really intense depression. You shouldn't feel anxiety. Those can be signs of some imbalances happening. Um, it's, it's normal to feel irritable the, the next, the couple days before, like a little bit irritable, but you shouldn't feel as many physical symptoms that a lot, a lot of women feel during that time, like the sore breasts, um, lots of bloating. Uh, but this time it is a very potent time to go inward and tie up loose ends, especially it, it's like that time to just prepare for the winter hibernation. So I actually personally find I can feel really good mentally during this time. I can feel more focused. I think I've noticed when I do writing during that time, like with the writing, my writing flows a lot more compared to during ovulation and more into like speaking. And so my brain, it feels quieter in a way. And it's just so interesting. So we have this whole hormonal fluctuation and we can learn to tap into it when we're aware of, of how the qualities that we have. And I think that when we can actually yeah, tune in and understand what's going on, I find that is healing, just yeah. knowing and having that awareness and having the positivity around the menstrual cycle. And so that's a bit about those phases and it can be really, really interesting to use that even for those on a spiritual path when you're you, you might notice uh, that that menstruation, that winter time is that time to really go in and focus and meditate and set intention. So it's, it can also mimic that lunar cycle of that new moon menstruation, full moon ovulation as well. Yeah. That's so powerful. The awareness around it because society is, is not set up 
that way, right? It's kind of like very linear that we should be the same all month. And that's just not the reality. And so when we're aware that we're not meant to be the same all month, that our body functions very differently, then it's like, okay, there's not anything wrong with me. Like I can work with these phases. I love yoga nidra for the winter phase, just Mm -hmm. that like deep Mm -hmm. introspection and um, going within. So with those phases, are there different like herbs that support the different phases or is it like working with one throughout the whole phase or do they fluctuate and change too? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like with the, the decrease in like testosterone and the different hormones, how do you work with those? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it first off really depends on what your goals are. There's different herbs that are really effective to take throughout the whole menstrual cycle. And then there are some combinations that you can do cyclically for those that are just getting into herbs for supporting hormones and menstruation. One thing I really like to start with is brewing teas during menstruation, especially if you have a lot of pain. But I think anyone, even if you don't have pain, doing teas that can help tonify the uterus because your uterus actually needs to contract to relieve the uterine lining. And it can be sometimes if you have a lot of pain when you're bleeding, there might be a lot of tension there. Uh, So having herbs that are very antispasmodic, really good for inflammation. So even creating a ritual of making a tea with ginger root is really great. Like ginger root, cinnamon, red raspberries, red raspberry leaf, and ladies mantle is great. Nettles. There's so many different herbs that you can play with and make it. And I actually like to, I call it a moon brew. So when you have your, when you start bleeding, you make yourself your moon brew. And especially if you have any forms of pain, have making it a couple days before to help really relax and support your body. Uh, I have a couple recipes that I can share too with the listeners on my website that is great, but it's, you can just make this amazing brew and do that. So that's one thing that I really recommend. And, and then when we're working with herbs, if you're experiencing any PMS symptoms, definitely working with the liver in that luteal and that autumn phase is really important because that your what happens is your estrogen is rising and then your progesterone is is right rises as well after ovulation so your body has a lot more hormones to process and it can be a bit more harder on the liver so and all of your hormones they all need to process through the liver so the more liver support at that time especially if you have sore breasts bloating headaches, like liver support is always key with hormones. So that's when it could be really lovely to do like dandelion root, burdock root, rosemary, any liver combinations are excellent. So I really love that. And you know, I are looking to support libido. I, there's some great herbs too. I, I always like to really If you notice that around ovulation, that's when you want your libido to be at the highest and that is natural. But if you notice you're not getting that libido increase, you could do some different libido herbs like Damiana tea is excellent. And I have a lot of information too on my Instagram too. So if you're like, 
really new to all of this, you can check out, I have some videos and some different recipes that you can make, um, but you can time them. But I think customization can be really key because everybody is so different in what they need and what they require, but definitely recommend, you know, liver support in the luteal phase, and then those menstruation herbs, herbs that are uterine tonics, like red raspberry uh, during menstruation. Mm. And is there one herb that you would like recommend through the whole cycle? A really great one is nettle. No. Have you had nettle before, Lisa? Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. nettle. I'm not yeah. a very good tea maker. I'm going to be completely honest. So I'm like a tincture. I like nice. to get the tinctures and it's just easy. So yeah. I'll do nettle tincture. I'll do a lot of tincture, but the, nice. yeah. yeah, you got to find what works for you and just stick to it. There's some people that love teas, some that love tinctures, capsules, everybody is different, but I love nettle because it's a very balancing herb and it's really nutrient dense. So we call it a nutritive tonic. So it has minerals in it. It has some calcium, magnesium, silica. It's really rich in minerals. And it also is really, really supportive to kidneys and adrenals. So I think I really see this a lot in my practice, just a lot of adrenal issues, mm -hmm. uh, lots of fatigue through the cycle and just balancing with that nettle is great. And then you're also supporting um, the uterus um, throughout the whole month and nettle does have some gentle support with the liver so you're just getting this full spectrum of support that I think for most people you can really benefit a lot from it so I love nettles as a tea uh, is is great for the minerals and then if you want more of that kidney adrenal benefit a tincture could be a great option as well mm, yeah and so with the the herbs, that's one aspect to work, like to balance the hormones. And then how does food play in to that? Does mm -hmm. that what we need to eat during the cycle? Does that change yeah. as well? Yeah. Well, there's, there's always the foundation. So I always educate on the nutrition foundations first, because sometimes a lot of us have blind spots about just the basics of what we need to keep our hormones balanced. So I always, one of the most important things actually, and I always make sure when I'm talking to clients is the simple question of, are you eating enough? Because we've been so programmed, you know, with diet culture and, and just to always try to eat less so we can be thin and meet that ideal. And it's so programmed in our brain. And there's a lot of diets out there, you know, like the keto diet, uh, more of these restrictive diets, dieting is probably one of the most intense things we can do for our hormone health. Because when we're in calorie restriction, our body goes into a little bit of survival mode because it thinks, okay, our survival might be at risk. We have ancient genes. Our genetics are still very similar to how we were in hunter-gatherer days. And if we start not getting enough food, uh, and maybe if we're just always eating less or, you know, eating less during the day, binging at night, that can just cause a lot of stress on the system and our hormones do not do well with stress at all. So if it, we have that increase of cortisol, if our body's not getting enough food, it can be a huge trigger. And you might notice that your cycle is shorter or longer, or you might struggle to 
um, have the full ovulation. So I always focus on that first. And even looking to, if you still feel like you're eating enough, really looking at the spacing of your meals during the day. Because a big thing that I see so, so much is, especially for those that come to me with fatigue, um, adrenal fatigue issues, thyroid issues, they are eating, not eating enough during the day. So they're either skipping breakfast or they're having a really low calorie, like low carb breakfast. So maybe just some coffee or just something that's just sugar. And then maybe having like a little salad with some chicken breast at lunch. And then at night you're so hungry. So you're eating a lot, like you're just eating a lot and you're not getting that balance throughout the day. So just having this balance of a really good protein, fat rich breakfast, you can add in some complex carbs, like a really good nourishing lunch uh, is probably one of the best things you can do for your hormones, really simple. So I always recommend that like across the board for sure. This is really yeah. important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you recommend like eating, you know, there's theories on eating every couple hours or having like snacks in between main meals, or is it like, you no, know, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, are there any, how does that affect the hormones if you're eating more consistently throughout the day? Yeah. I think just getting a good rhythm with food. I'm really into like, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And then if you're hungry in between have a snack, just yeah. it's, it's just eat, <laughs> eat when you're hungry. But if you can get a set rhythm, if you find that you're someone, and it can be hard for those that might do shift work, but if you're someone that, you know, doesn't, it's hard to get those regular meals in, just really find those ways to do it. Because once you get that schedule, you know, if you're someone that doesn't eat breakfast, it might take some time to reprogram and get your body used to eating breakfast in the morning. So yeah, it's really important too. And I love that. It's like, if you're hungry, just eat like our body yeah. holds so much wisdom, but you know, in my experience, I was so yeah. disconnected from my body for so long. So it's like to start to cultivate that relationship. It's just listen to it. If it'll, yeah. your body will tell you when it mm -hmm. needs something. And that, um, that relationship is really, really powerful. Does what we eat change over our lifetime? Like, you know, when we're in like the pre-period phase of our life, like I'll call it the maiden. And then after we have our first bleed and we go more into the like mother phases for an archetype. Mm -hmm. And then when we hit like wild woman or crone, like after menopause, do we need different foods at that time? Or is it more the different foods within a monthly cycle? Mm -hmm. Well, definitely as, as we're reaching that crone phase, the menopause phase, you, once you stop bleeding, your body actually does require um, extra calories to have a menstrual cycle. So it's around 100 to 300 extra per day. So in, in menopause, you might actually find that you don't need as much calories that is normal. And you also might, yeah, you might not need as many carbs, but I think as we're going through, especially like motherhood, like in the preparation phase, like afterwards, it's such an important time to really focus on the minerals and the nutrient dense foods, because to create life where you are depleting a lot of our minerals, like a lot of our calcium from our bones, like so much is going into that. So really, really working on lots of nourishment. So I really love like bone broth and 
and you know if you have animal products like liver is excellent like leafy green veggies squashes these really like nutrient rich foods are really important during those phases of our, our life phases of our cycle and then as we go through a regular menstrual cycle so when we are going through our cycle i do find depending on the person we can really really benefit from adjusting our nutrition throughout and menstruation is one of those times when that's actually it's like the herbs that is a good time with menstruation to have really warming foods so avoiding cold foods because we want to support the body with warming foods to relax the uterus and to allow for a healthy menstruation so this is something that has been common knowledge in many different cultures like in Chinese medicine it's common knowledge that you never have cold foods you want your uterus to be warm during menstruation so that's really important and then you might find you have to trust. I think this is, again, a good time to get back to that intuitive eating of really trusting what your body needs, because you might notice that during ovulation, you might do well with like more protein rich um, and really good, healthy fats, lighter foods, uh, lots of zinc rich foods to support ovulation. Um, like mm -hmm. even that that's excellent. And then as we go to the luteal phase, the autumn phase, it's really great to really focus on those regular meals and protein fats and carbs because your body actually really does do well with having more carbs during that time. Like I'm always into a Goldilocks balance. So like, you know, having a cup of sweet potatoes, uh, but you might not, you can listen to your body, but you might not do well with like a lot of bread because that could be too much, spike your blood sugar too much because having that good stable blood sugar is, is really helpful in the luteal autumn phase of your cycle because because of the hormones, your blood sugar can go off. And that's actually one of the reasons why a lot of people notice they're more irritable during that time too. So the nutrition, there are certain times when you might just focus more on nutrition if you notice any symptoms come up. Mm, beautiful. And I've, I've heard about the seed diet the seed or eating different seeds in correlation with your cycle. Do you use that mm -hmm. where you, you eat different seeds at different phases? It can be really helpful for anyone with estrogen dominance type symptoms. So like sore breast, fibroids, um, really bad PMS, heavy periods, those seeds can be really helpful. And also going through menopause or perimenopause uh, with those phytoestrogens and those seeds can be really helpful too. Mm, what seeds particular are they? Are they certain so usually seeds? with seed cycling, you're having flax and mm. pumpkin seeds in the first half. So pre-ovulation, typically those first 14 days. And then if, and then afterwards you're having sesame and sunflower. So those are really rich in vitamin B6, which is important for your progesterone during that phase. So then you would have those in that second half of your cycle um, leading up to your period. And if you are someone that doesn't menstruate right now, you can do it with the phases of the moon. So you can have like flax, pumpkin, new moon to full moon, and then full, full moon to new moon, do sunflower and sesame. And you're grinding the seeds, ideally fresh. So you can get lots of those fibers. That's really good for helping to detox some of those excess hormones from the digestive tract. Interesting. So if you're not bleeding, so if you've, you're after menopause, do your hormones still fluctuate where you have the increase of like 
progesterone, I don't know the names offhand Mm -hmm. and like the decrease in testosterone, do you still go through that monthly cycle? I don't think you go through it in the same way. You might Mm -hmm. notice just, especially if you're more connected to the lunar cycles, you might notice that shift, but you shouldn't, your, your hormones, since you're not ovulating, your hormones are pretty stable. So it's more similar to what your hormones are like during menstruation. So typically you'll still produce a little estrogen, your adrenals take over, produce a bit of progesterone, but it's just a lot lower during that phase. And that's okay. I think that there's a lot of fear around menopause and the hormone shifts, but if you've been having like menstrual cycles throughout the other times in your life, then that's just a normal part. And what we want to do is support our bodies going through that, that phase. We don't need to stop it or it's nothing wrong that's going on. And I think that's important to understand too. Um, Cause yeah, there's so much, this whole idea of like eternal youth is so toxic. Um, Like, have you seen that a lot, Lisa? Yeah. Where you're holding on Mm -hmm. to your, your maiden, made in hood, right? Like I want to stay looking young or I want my body to stay the same. And cause it's so projected and programmed on us from society that, you know, what are, what are you good for after you can't have kids anymore? And we don't, um, respect our elders, like our ancestors did. And I think it's something that's coming back that kind of like aging, I want to say gracefully, but I guess for myself, I'm in my early forties, I wouldn't go back to being in my twenties for the life of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I was saying that the other day I'm, I'm in my thirties and I'm just so happy to be in my thirties and yeah. operating with this, that mindset that I had in my twenties. It's feels so good. Yeah. It's <laughs> very different, older. very different, mm-hmm. but it, it's like yeah. interesting what society projects on us. And so I think first is like cultivating that relationship with our, our truth, with ourself, with our body, like knowing who we are. And then it's like, we can stand in that and not feel like when our beauty's gone, we're gone, you know, like yes. or our maidenhood. Um, so I think that's so important to allow that transition of aging to take place, yeah. you know, and it's so important. I feel like like I feel more beautiful now than I've ever felt, but society would tell me probably different, you know, Mm -hmm. but our inner feeling changes. And I I just, it's challenging for women. I think when they're just so conditioned by the narrative to stay looking youthful, that it's like, I'm Mm -hmm. going to avoid this aging at all costs, you know? And so with that, it's like, well, I don't want menopause or I want to still be able to have kids or all of that kind of stuff. And so starting to work with yourself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think knowing too, that they're there, it's normal to have a grieving process too. Yeah. Really? So it's, it doesn't, you can embrace it, uh, like embrace those phases and know that you still might notice this grieving of, you know, what could have been or the past is really, but being conscious throughout the whole process is, can be really, really empowering. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's really beautiful too. Um, just that you brought that up, that grieving process. Cause I know that I've gone through grieving processes, like grieving what I thought would have happened or, or, you know, that kind of thing. But we also go through that grieving process in our cycle. I believe like when we're after ovulation kind of in that 
wild woman is the archetype that I would use of it. Mm-hmm. Our body grieves because, uh, and our egg wasn't, um, what's the word like fertilized, fertilized. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not having a baby. And so our body naturally grieves. So that grieving process we go through in the autumn phase, I believe. And that's like everything mm-hmm. falling away. So that grief process naturally yeah, happens definitely. in our monthly cycle yeah and it can be very real especially for those who are trying to conceive that grieving process can be a lot to navigate every single month and having yeah, that support of just supporting that grieving rather than holding it in yeah really key really important or for anyone that's a pregnancy loss or miscarriage so it's it's just such a it's a part of so many so many people experience it yeah uh, yeah just be aware of it and talk about it for sure yeah and that's Mm -hmm. yeah it's powerful because we've been so conditioned to be separate from our emotions as well to close off our emotions so if you're grieving like Mm -hmm. starting to see what grief maybe wants to to move and process and everything so yeah with menopause, how do we, or actually let's talk about like aphrodisiacs and like boosting the libido. Yeah. What, when we're in that like low libido, what's happening on a hormonal level and then what, Mm -hmm. what boosts are boosted up so that we feel alive and juicy. Definitely. Well, I do want to say that low libido is very a lot of a lot of people experience it it is something especially with hormone balances I see this with potentially 80% of the clients in my practice they sometimes they don't come to me specifically for libido but what happens if they're experiencing another hormone issue is unfortunately libido is one of the first things that goes and when we have a hormone imbalance but it doesn't mean you can't bring it back and, but the, usually the first hormone I'm always looking out for is testosterone because testosterone, we, we need like female bodies, we need it as well. It's not just for the male body. Uh, testosterone is quite important for our libido and it's also really key for muscle mass. So if you have low libido, um, I'd actually recommend looking out for other symptoms to see if it's testosterone. So looking out to see if you have um, like poor, a hard time putting on muscle and noticing more like depression. One interesting symptom is just feeling like a loss of self-confidence. So I've had some, some clients tell me like, I just don't understand. I used to be such a confident driven person and I don't know what happened that can actually be testosterone. Uh, But sometimes if you notice you have like any vaginal dryness, that can be low estrogen. I really like to look at hormones and test things too, because it, and you want to be able to know exactly what's going on and, and doing it with a practitioner that understands, because I just had one client, um, yeah, the other day, the, the doctor didn't even flag it because it looks like for some reason, these test results right now. They, they don't look at low t- testosterone as a problem as much as they're looking for high testosterone because that's more PCOS, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is really mm-hmm. common. So it's good to have a practitioner take a look at it and see. Um, but, those, but sometimes too, if you have 
adrenal issues, like your stress, high stress hormones, like your testosterone might be normal and your libido might also, also be, be low too. So you can, um, like aphrodisiac type herbs can be really helpful. Um, but I always like really supporting the adrenals can be key. So if you're cortisol is low. If you've been under a lot of stress, that could be depleting your testosterone and libido. So there's some amazing um, adrenal herbs that are also aphrodisiacs like ashwagandha is really excellent. There's one herb called Shadavari that I absolutely love that one in Sanskrit. It translates as an Ayurvedic herb. So in Sanskrit, it translates as she who has a hundred husbands. I love that. Yeah. So it's very <laughs> super nourishing, great for anyone with like dryness, like vaginal dryness, like less sexual fluids. And, but also you've had a lot like stress or you're wanting to also work on fertility. I love Shadavari, um, but that combination of Shadavari and Ashwagandha is excellent. Uh, but then you, there's also some great herbs. You want to be drive. You want to work with the driving circulation, driving blood flow to the womb and the genital organs. So also having things like ginger, cacao, um, like cayenne. So like making up like a nice hot chocolate or like a ginger tea. And I really love one herb called Damiana. That mm -hmm. is a, another amazing herb that helps to it actually helps with the condition called inorgasmia so inability to orgasm because it helps to increase circulation to that area it's really effective uh, or if you just want that libido boost so usually that's one of the top ones i recommend but there's a lot of a lot of really effective libido herbs and i recommend trying them out and you know, if you think you have other hormone imbalances, it might sometimes be good to get some customization too. So you can get like a formula that you can just nail in and help yeah. support the body too. And so with that, if you have high, so I guess like with low testosterone, maybe your passion would feel low. Is that mm -hmm. fair to say? Like, mm -hmm. just like passion for life or that like go like action taking with that lower, if your testosterone is lower? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I feel like when I think of my clients who have low testosterone, I think they still have passion, but mm. they have trouble like just like maybe doing it or they they feel a bit stuck. Yeah. Mm. So it's like, oh, they want to be able to have sex, but they just don't feel it as much but they love you know they have a passion for their families they have a passion for their work um, mm. you know they love their partners that's more my impression but I'm yeah. gonna have to look out for that too because that's just something I haven't observed but that's a great great point to think about yeah I don't know I just think about like yeah. that winter phase or you know when you're bleeding on your period you're kind of like more you're much slower and yeah. still and not like, I'm going to get up and like face the day. It's more like I need to tuck into Definitely. my, my cave, yeah. you know? I think so. And I think that's what happens too. Like postpartum is, you know, the libido is naturally lower at that time because you're also putting energy into others. You're putting a lot of energy into like the child, but then you don't have that other energy for yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And really looking into is, 
you know, with, with low libido, I'll always want to just really approach it very full spectrum because it could even be like so many things impacted, like a trauma can be a huge, huge impact as well. Um, especially for those who have always had like a lower libido. So I think go, doing some therapy and doing some other work of you no know, of connecting in those areas. Like i sometimes people come to me and they expect, okay, just give me magic herb and let's take care of it. But we do want to work on all of those levels of supporting our body. Yeah. It's like that emotional body is so important. Yeah. Yeah. To, and it to can take patience too. Cause if it's like adrenal stress, it can take some months to bring it back. So it can take that patience and that commitment. Mm. Yeah. So with high testosterone, would Shadavari be one to bring that down or ashwagandha? Would that bring down the testosterone or, or kind of bring it to a normal state? Yeah, it could be, it could be balancing for, for some people, like a lot of these herbs, they don't, there's certain ones that will really boost it, but a lot of these herbs, they're very balancing mm. as well. Um, I really quite like there's certain herbs, like if we know testosterone is high, like I quite like um, spearmint is a really gentle, really great herb to have too. And salt palmetto is, is a really popular root that you can take for high testosterone. But all of this stuff too, it's, it's great to test your hormones so you know if you have it or not before taking some of these herbs that have an effect. But things like Shadavari, a lot of these herbs are very gentle. So like Ashwagandha Shadavari, sticking to the balancing herbs are really great if you haven't done any hormone testing. Mm, beautiful. And how do doshas play into it with the Ayurvedic med- mm-hmm. medicine? Yeah, great question. This is something I've been diving a lot more into over the last year um, as I've been studying as a clinical herbalist and I've been learning about how we all have the elements reflected in our body in the form of the doshas so you might be the vata is more of that dry that wind element Uh, so that's that can be more dry and cold so people who are vata is usually a smaller frame has more energy more prone to anxiety and then we have the pitta which is fire and it's like very fiery. Uh, so that's one where you might have more uh, muscle, more of that driven, maybe a little bit of that type A personality, um, but the, va- the pitta can have more like inflammation, uh, lots like more redness, inflammation, more heat signs. You might, they might be more hot. And then we have kapha, which is more like water and earth. And kapha is like more of that, uh, sometimes can be more heavier set, like really earthy, more grounded, uh, but they can sometimes struggle more with stagnation, like, you know, possibly, you know, dampness, like, you know, you Mm -hmm. might notice like a a yeast infection or like, you know, trouble feeling like you have this like losing weight or feeling more swelling, um, like bloating, that can be more like the kapha characteristics. So herbs also have characteristics so we all have different I, I'm personally I'm a kapha pitta so I have that heat a little bit of that heat but then I have the groundedness of the the kapha um, energy and herbs all have have different things too so there's different herbs that are very heating so somebody that is like a pitta 
constitution should not be having too much spicy food like cayenne that could trigger their symptoms. Like I know for me, I'm, I'm working with getting like some headaches around ovulation and before my period. And I found that that's a heat sign. So what I need to make sure that I do is I should not be having like my chai lattes that I really like. I've been make, made this drink with like nutmeg or not as much spicy food. And I should be having more cooling and more balancing herbs for myself, like burdock, dandelion, like more of these cooling herbs um, or somebody that has more of these, yeah, vata personality. They might constitution, they might do really well with the really nourishing yin energy herb, like shatavari, that's just like pure, deep, deep nourishment. So when we can learn how to match the herbs with our dosha and our constitution, that we're, we're born with constitutions and they can go to balance, we can get really nail the formula and, and get a, a, lo a lot better results. Because have you ever had this, Lisa, where you've like taken some herbs but haven't noticed a difference from them? Like try different mm. herbs or a supplement? Because sometimes it's like, yeah, yeah we, we have things that we don't feel it, but if we're, we match it to our constitution, we can really dial in that formula and see a lot of those results. So yeah. that's something I'm in the process of studying and just love learning about. I think it's so, so potent to have a deeper connection with plants for anyone that really loves herbs and plants. It can be so, so interesting to get into and really healing. Yeah. It's like knowing deeper layers of yourself, you know, when you know your yes. dosha or your astrological birth chart or your human design, it's like, we're, we're so multi-layered and yeah. faceted that it's not like, it's like Shadavari is not going to be received the same yeah. for everybody. And so if you know more about yourself, you can support yourself. Yeah. It's and, so helpful. I think. Yeah. And it helps you see the world differently and just see certain situations differently. Like it's just gives you another lens to look through and assess. Yeah situations and yeah. I, find I can help my clients and my loved ones a lot more when I can understand like those patterns that are going on if it's like a heat pattern if, like for me I'm like oh this is my headaches they're caused by heat because I mm. I'll go out in the snow and like in the cold and the headache goes away and that's oh, that's interesting. really valuable mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How like with menopause, how do you support like hot flashes or the hormone, the hormonal change that's going, that you're going through during mm -hmm. menopause? Is there any like kind of herbs that come to mind yeah. that would support uh, that? Well, a lot of the time hot flashes in Chinese medicine, they're considered a yin deficiency. So you really want to be nourishing the yin with really like really yin type herbs like hoshibu, shadavari would actually be a really good one as well. And giving your body some phytoestrogen type herbs can be great because there's really gentle plant phytoestrogens. And in menopause, what's happening is your estrogen is, some, is either going really low or it can go on a roller coaster where it's like going up and down and up mm -hmm. and down. And throughout the cycle, as your body transitions into the next phase, uh, so there's actually herbs that give you gentle phytoestrogens, like sage is really effective. I love sage and red clover can be really supportive. 
but one thing I find is I think we really need to also know that menopause, this is like a natural process. And I noticed that it can be worse if there is adrenal issues or thyroid issues or like an estrogen dominant type situation where the liver isn't processing estrogen. So I think if you can go through menopause with balanced, like really focusing on that self-care, focusing on supporting the adrenals, it really helps with the transition. Rather, if you know, you're know you going through menopause completely burnt out because you've been giving yeah. and giving and not nourishing the body, it's a lot different. So it can look differently. So usually I'm looking at that, looking at how are your adrenals? Like, mm. is your thyroid all right? And let's work on those. And I see that that improves a lot of those uncomfortable symptoms that come up. Mm, yeah. Thank you for that. And with like postpartum, are there any herbs that come to mind to help you support that support you in that after having a baby? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not the full expert on postpartum herbs right now. I think like definitely like nettle is really a one that's a great one because it can also help increase the nutrition in breast milk as mm. well. I really like like nettle um, would be my top recommendation. Chatavari, could, you could do a little bit of Chatavari as well because um, that's quite nourishing too. But I, I really want to dial that in for two because you have to be careful about herbs for breastfeeding too. So it's, mm. it's you're, you might be a bit more limited with how much you can take of certain things too. So that's, again, that's when we can go to nutrition and really work with like deeply nourishing the body. So like those bone broth soups and stews are so good. Excellent to take. Yeah. This just popped in. I have a, a friend who eats like raw liver. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of health benefits to eating raw liver for our body? Is anything? Well, you're going to get a lot of nutrition because you're having it in that raw denatured form, but you're also going to benefit if you cook it too, because if, you know, I just, just recommend anyone Google, Google like liver nutrients and see it compared to like, you know, even regular meat or regular like some uh, vegan plant-based protein, like it's a huge nutrient powerhouse. You don't have to even take a multi multivitamin. Well, maybe in pregnancy you still would, but it's amazing. And you're getting all of the nutrition that is really important for the female cycle, like selenium and vitamin A and zinc, tons of really good nutrition. Mm. I don't think you have to do raw liver. It can you can still benefit from cooked. Just cooked liver is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't even yeah. remember and I know the last hard time I've had liver. Even some people to have on its own. I, I recommend just seeking out like a blend of like ground meat with a bit of liver all mixed together because then you can cook it and then you don't have that liver taste and you can make like burgers and different tasty recipes with it. Oh, okay. Okay. It's like you're, you're hiding it within it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I remember I came to one of your elixir making workshops many, many, many years ago, and I'm sure it was hibiscus. Well, I know you spoke about hibiscus water Mm -hmm. and I still drink hibiscus water to this day. And it was amazing. I love it. Like it's one of my most favorite things ever. Mm -hmm. What are the benefits of hibiscus? 
Yeah, this just is great. It's a really good herb for the womb. So for anyone that wants to have that deeper connection with the room, really amazing. I find it's so and, and also you have with the hibiscus water because it's a flower you don't actually need to steep it in boiling water you can just do a cold infusion so put a small handful of hibiscus um, put water and let it steep um, it's a astringent herb it actually really is effective for skin uh, it can it's been some people even call it nature's botox because it has this like astringent effect really rich in vitamin C as well. And vitamin C is really important for like progesterone support. Uh, but I really love it like for womb and vitamin C, progesterone and that skin health as well. And it can be really nice in a combination. So if you wanna make any drinks like elixirs or tonics, if you put a viscous, then you have this beautiful like pink, Mm. like rose color which is kind of I, I love like just eating really beautiful food and making beautiful drinks so that's one of the reasons why I love it too it is very pretty you've got mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. pink water who doesn't want yeah. pink water <laughs> are there any other herbs that come to mind for beauty like for skin health mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I'm a huge promoter of um the herb shizandra it's a Chinese herb. It is incredibly balancing for the body. It is called the five, it's a berry. It's called the five flavor fruit. So it has sour, bitter, astringent, um, sweet. What was the other one? Pungent. So it has all of those flavors, which makes it very balancing, but it gives you the liver support. So if you take it, it's really a very gentle liver detoxifier. It gives you antioxidants. And for the skin, it's like similar to hibiscus, it's that astringent. So astringents help to hold moisture, but they don't make, it doesn't make you puffy, but it helps hold moisture. So it, it keeps tissues vibrant and moisturized. So it's great for the skin for that purpose. And whenever we're having liver herbs, um, if anyone has any like skin issues, liver herbs are great for clarifying the skin, clarifying the blood. So it helps have like more clear skin, bright mm -hmm. eyes. I, I really like it for that. And it also has some impact, some effects for vaginal dryness because it has that astringent property. It helps hold in those fluids. So it's been known traditionally, traditionally to help the quality of lubrication and sexual fluids for women. And it's even known um, for like males to have it as a um, like to prevent premature ejaculation for that astringent benefit. So um, it's great. It's a really good one to take for skin health. Uh, mm. I really like that. And then yeah, the liver cleansers like burdock, uh, turmeric is really excellent too because we get that liver, but also the anti-inflammatories and antioxidants. So I always look at those as well for the skin, but those would be my top ones. Mm. Beautiful. What about for men? I don't have a lot of male listeners, but maybe <laughs> yeah. their beloved well, will be like, if anyone has any men in their life, you yeah. can feed them, to yeah. like sneak them in their food or <laughs> give it to them. Yeah. What are kind of herbs that support men with their, their health and even like hair loss and that kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really think that like it, like a lot of men struggle with prostate issues, like especially after 40. 
So like nettle root is really good for prevention. Um, sal palmetto. So usually when I'm talking about for menstruation, nettle leaf is really great to have as a tea, but the root is in particular really good for men in supporting like healthy testosterone, but also to prevent um, any prostate issues that come up too. So I really like that. And then any of those like adaptogen, adrenal type herbs are excellent too. So, you know, like ashwagandha could be really excellent as well for, for men, like different types of ginseng, like American ginseng. Hoshi um, Wu is another Chinese herb that's quite good for preventing hair loss. Um, I actually once gave my dad a herbal formula and my dad is like, has been bald, like he's like been having some hair loss ever since he was maybe in his forties, but I gave him this like one that had Hoshi Wu and all these like adrenal herbs. And he actually said he had like some hair started to grow back. Like, oh, wow. It was pretty interesting. Uh, he didn't keep taking it though. And I don't think it would have grown him back a full head of hair, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, these things can be really effective. So there are, there are lots of the herbs can definitely, there's lots of great ones for men as well. It's mm. a lot. Women too, it's like the menstrual cycle is so complex. So typically when we do herbs for men, they're very more like simple, straightforward. But since like we have this hormonal fluctuation and there's just so much, the system can be so delicate. And that's why too, uh, like thyroid issues, adrenal issues can be more prevalent with women as well. So we have, just because we have the hormonal, how, how all the hormonal system works. Yeah. Yeah. What is the medicine of rose? Like what is rose? Mm, yeah. I definitely feel that energetic, like qualities of like the heart. Mm. Definitely. I think it's really supportive emotionally for the heart. I love rose essential oil. I was even doing a meditation the other day. And when I was meditating, like the smell of rose like just came up in my meditation and I felt oh, beautiful that really balancing effect. So I love rose. Um, I, I so you can do rose, you can take it. Uh, it's a really beautiful blend in teas. So I always love to add some rose buds just when I'm doing a blend. It is really excellent for period pain. Actually, mm. it's really good if anyone has any pain. So you can add that into the tea and I do like it as a tonic like I even have some um I I like to use rose hydrosol as a toner externally I find it's really effective um, I just have a rose hip toner that I like too so you can also use rose hips because they have that vitamin c so rose hip can be really excellent too but it just has such a beautiful affinity for the heart it's really calming to the spirit I think it's such a good medicine for for anyone really it's a good one yeah. are you a fan of rose too I love rose everything I went to the light cellar yesterday and got some rose hydrosol and rose tincture and mm. I like to work with tinctures I try to do this but um like just one for like a month or two and yeah. see see how it um how my body responds to it or, or what shifts within but rose is one that I work with 
mm-hmm. a lot. And it just feels like that heart nourishing, like calming and the, the rose hydrosol, like it just feels like goddess medicine, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of my favorite. And I used to do with my water, I would do hibiscus and rose mm-hmm. petals yeah, that's beautiful. together. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, cacao is really a potent combination too they both have that similar heart energy so have you done like worked with cacao before yes I was at a cacao ceremony I guess it'd almost be a month ago now and I asked for clarity from the cacao and I I just got it I got a miracle that night in the cacao ceremony so it's such a beautiful yeah beautiful Mm -hmm. medicine what does it do from um kind of from a neural like brain state or heart opening like what is the medicine of cacao yeah well there's so it's so chemically complex it's one of the most chemically complex food like if scientists look at it it's just so much going on I believe it's the theobromine which is similar to caffeine but it has its own effect like that that's impacting so that has that strong stimulant but then it really impacts the heart as well and then you also have all these feel-good chemicals like the phenine, it's called PEA, phenylethylamine, something like that, that helps to calm, really calm down uh, and give you that bliss, like that bliss love molecule um, mm. is really effective. But yeah, I learned, yeah, I, I really think working with just like the pure cacao paste, blending it in some water, like in hot water and just making a drink and meditating with that can be really potent, really dropping into mm-hmm. the body because they, it is like, it is like a mildly psychoactive substance. That's the thing that you don't realize, like everybody's eating chocolate. Of course we're having it in more mild forms, like in milk chocolate, but it's a very, very powerful, very powerful plant uh, that has, yeah. So we can definitely use it in ceremony, but also just use it to feel good. I like to have um add it for magnesium so if you notice that you have like a lot of chocolate cravings or sugar cravings especially in the luteal phase adding like cacao mm. powder even into a smoothie or making a drink can be really helpful because if you have chocolate cravings sometimes it's just okay to just have chocolate <laughs> but have it in the really potent form to really satisfy you Yeah. And it's such a heart medicine. And when you're speaking to that, like doing the paste and then sitting in meditation, it just opens up a portal within the self where we hear our own inner Mm -hmm. knowing and wisdom and cultivate that deeper layer of trust with our, with ourself for sure. Definitely. And I think that's the thing that's really beautiful about herbs is that you can use herbs on many different levels. So we're talking a lot about the physiological and the hormonal benefit, but using them energetically, emotionally, or if we can find an herb that can help us on multiple layers, like help us with the physical, but then also help us with any emotional aspect that's going on. It can be really, really powerful and quite transformative to work with that. Yeah. Yeah. Is there one that comes to mind that that really works with the emotional body? I think, yeah, I think that Rose is like really one of the best ones to do for sure. Like working with the emotions. I think all herbs can help though. Mm -hmm. They're just, there's different ones that are good for different like types of 
emotional states too. And this is something I'm delving into learning about. I'm still a student with a lot of really learning about those emotional qualities of the herbs, but yeah, it's really, really helpful to, if anyone's interested, it's not for everybody, but for those that are interested in like the plant medicine path, really diving deep, it can be super powerful. Yeah. I was going through a big grieving process over the past couple months and my mentor works with herbs as well. And she, uh, I worked with Hawthorne mm. and that was really beautiful to yeah. assist in yeah. the grief. That can be really good. That, that one's really good for like homesick to that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. What's the medicine? This is just one that I always see when I go into light cellar pearl powder. Mm-hmm. Pearl yeah. Powder. Pearl powder is really um, calming to the spirit. It's, it is one of those more emotional and it has calcium in it. And actually, yes, it is crushed up pearls. So they're grown in a lab and you, they're crushed up into such a small amount that it's not like, it's not like you're having like a crushed up crystal or anything. It's actually like pearl and it is used as an herb in China, in Chinese medicine. It's used as an herb that's really, really calming to the spirit. And that one is a very cooling herb. So it would be one with, with someone who has more of that heat kapha mm-hmm. type, but um, anyone that is feeling ungrounded as well, it's, it's really excellent one for anyone that feels less grounded and it does have beauty benefits as well. Like taken internally, it's really healing to the skin and helps to prevent wrinkles. Mm. Of course, I'm not focusing on that as much anymore, but you know, it is one thing that is known as like a beauty tonic. Okay, beautiful. I've got one more. I don't know if it's an herb, but shilajit. What is mm-hmm. what is the medicine? Yeah, shilajit is like a, a mineral pitch. So mm. it's it's more. I don't work with that. I haven't worked with it for a while because um, I was finding I just would personally like I had one at once and I was feeling like a bit weird with my my skin felt weird. I think it can be very detoxing because it's more of a, like a mineral mineral type herb. Uh, but it is known as well to be like that aphrodisiac, like really adrenal building quality, um, but also having that detox effect too. But I personally haven't worked with it in quite a few years. Mm. I remember I went to a Tibetan monk. This was years and years and years ago in Inglewood in Calgary. And that's what he, he was like, you need Shilajet and some other mm. things as well. But that was the one, <laughs> yeah. the one that stood out. And so I started taking it. It was so awful. It was so awful, mm. but yeah, I think my body responded well to it. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. It's a, it can be a strong one for sure. Yeah. What are the symptoms that one might have if they have like low estrogen or progesterone? What are the, the physical symptoms that would be kind of cues if that's what's happening in the body? Yeah, low estrogen, that can be, sometimes I'm surprised when I look at test results. I, because it it can be hard, like there's some obvious symptoms, but then sometimes it's still good to test because I have clients that don't have any signs, but they show up high, low low estrogen. Uh, But typically what I see and the common things, because it is low when you're going through menopause. So like vaginal dryness, like feeling like a lot of vaginal dryness, brain fog, um, 
it likely can impact libido. Um, you might notice um, like just more dryness everywhere, like just more achy joints because estrogen is so important for like lubrication and like everywhere. Um, it's like good for keeping your brain sharp. So those would be some of those symptoms. I do think if you've been struggling with adrenal issues and maybe you're someone struggling to conceive, you may even want to look and see if you have low estrogen, because sometimes that can be one of those reasons too. Um, yeah, in cases where you don't have your period, it's possible to look into that too. That can be something that comes up. Um, then progesterone is another one. So progesterone, you can still like have a, a menstrual cycle that progesterone is can also be quite low um, in cases of, of struggling to conceive, multiple miscarriages, PMS symptoms, heavy periods. Progesterone is important for stabilizing your mood in the luteal phase of your cycle. And it also is really key for like preventing yeah, PMS symptoms and helping to lighten your period because progesterone balances out estrogen. Estrogen is like that hormone that makes things grow. It's like what created like breasts, uh, your breasts and curves, like estrogen is like that, like really growth uh, hormone. And then progesterone kind of like modulates it and stops its growth. So if you are anyone that running into any issues of like fibroids, uh, cysts, any growths, um, fibrocystic breasts, I always want to look into progesterone because it can be low or like, um, you know, if you're having low, shorter menstrual cycles or longer menstrual cycles. So any it, dysregularities with menstruation, I always like to look at progesterone. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, with like, just for my witchy listeners, what is, um, are there any herbs that come to mind that like deepen that intuitive nature or, um, like I want to say psychic or where you're like opening up your third eye or your crown for like magic or working with ceremony and that kind of stuff. Do any herbs come to mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I think Doing the grounding work, I think is important. So still having like grounding herbs so you can feel that stability. So like something like nettle is really excellent. Um, lotus is really good. So blue lotus. Um, have you worked with lotus before? Tincture, tincture. Yeah, like yeah. lotus, like a lotus tincture. That's actually really good for that intuition. It does have a mild psychoactive effect. Mm -hmm. And it actually has been used for lucid dreaming to connect with. Um, and I, frankincense is really powerful too. I do like the essential oil of frankincense in particular too. You can put it like topically on the third eye. And that's always been known as a herb, the, that resin for spiritual connection to I'm sure there's a lot. I'm sure there's a lot and, and each person might have a connection with a different herb as well. Yeah. Those, those are some ones that come to mind that I think. Are yeah. Really Powerful. Ones. I've worked with mugwort and that's, Oh yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I once had an experience of working, like doing, using mugwort in like a ceremony or making a tea at once and 
Yeah, and then we went to sleep. I was, yeah, it, like, it was just me and a girlfriend, like, staying at a hotel. And then I got, like, bats in the room all of a sudden in the night. The bats were, like, flying in the room. It felt very... Were there <laughs> actual very, bats? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like a very witchy, like, like, weird, like, you did something. Oh, wow. Was something. that, like, in Canada or another... Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was like on Vancouver Island. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's very witchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you cultivated some magic. Yes. With that. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. What has been your biggest lesson on your journey? Mm, so many different lessons. Um, like, would you say the health journey or just in general? I think in general. Yeah, just whichever one drops in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really believe really working with like where we place our energy is mm-hmm. so important. Like really putting our intentions into the life that we do want to create and realizing how powerful we are. Um, I just feel I've had so many synchronicities like over the past year just from focusing my energy into like really like what do I want to create and work really working with creating like from the soul rather than from what we think we should be doing what we think um, that's been a really powerful lesson for me of of just realizing how powerful we are and we put our energy like connect to our soul put our energy in the right direction it's amazing what can happen yeah, I think that's such a huge one. Are there any stories of synchronicity that stand out that you want to share? Ah, oh, I don't. Hmm, I don't have any like particular ones at the moment. Uh, but yeah, nothing. Nothing in particular. It's just been more like with yeah, creating like the business that I want to create. Like you know, sometimes thinking about somebody or like what I want to create and then having like different people, different experiences, like reach out uh, in terms of different projects that I've been working on has, has been really powerful of just really opening up those channels and like understanding. Yeah. How, what things can happen. Oh, I love that. It's like the right mm-hmm. people meet us on our path. Too. Yes. And we just really trusting that for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. It's like asking for it. We don't know how it's going to show up, but just trusting, holding that vision. Yeah. And really like holding into the energy of what we do want to create and like what we do want to create like into our lives because the energetic aspect of like our, our field around us is like so important and we can never like discount like how key that is. Um, for creating things so now I'm I'm someone who I'm more I, I'm more interested in like yeah the energetics and then like the doing and combining those two together rather than like just trying to do the doing yeah it's like taking mm-hmm. that grounded action yeah I love that how do you experience the mysteries mm, I I really love connecting to my heart mm. in like meditation as much as I can on a daily basis of because it's like or just the like there's so much energy that we can be held there and just working with like coming from that space and living from that open heart I think that's how 
I experience it and just appreciating nature and like all the creations because we're on this planet and it's amazing. There's just so many things. And that's why I love studying plants and herbs and healing is there's so many different, like everything is such a miracle, you know, like birth to me, I'm always just amazed by all of these processes of life and birth and, and just observing the trees, observing nature, observing like the beauty that that's a huge thing for me. I love that. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. How do you root into the self? Mm, That again, it goes to me and just those meditations of connecting to my heart and, and sometimes working with seeing myself, like looking back and just seeing myself from a different perspective, because Mm. I think we can be so hard on ourselves sometimes, you know, like, and I think we have to give ourselves more credit and look at ourselves, you know, from someone else's perspective to connect back into how amazing all of us really are. Like yeah. when we connect in and we can see, so I've, I've just been really, yeah, just trying to appreciate and just feel that energy of, of who I am and connecting in like, yeah, meditating and focusing on the heart mm. and opening it up. Yeah. Yeah. The heart open. That's so beautiful. Such a gift to the world. Is there anything that you want to add to this beautiful conversation before we close love? Yeah, I think just thanks so much for having me here. It's really great to share all of this. There's so, so much we could cover and it's just been amazing to just share like more about the herbs and the hormones with everybody because it's just such important information to learn about. It is. It's so important Mm -hmm. to support yourself on your path. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's just, you know, if if somebody is listening and you're experiencing symptoms, you're having like different hormonal symptoms, like maybe you have a really intense period, really hard time going through menopause or any issues, just know like there are, there is help. There is, there are things that you can do that is beyond like the Mm. medical system. So don't give up, just learn about, start learning about your body, start educating, like understanding like, okay, what's normal, what's not, and really start seeking out to get support because doing this healing work is part of the whole spiritual process. And it's, so I think that a lot of people come to me and they don't even realize how much their hormone issues have been impacting their life. And we just accept it as normal. And I think it's important if you're having those issues, like reach out and like get support. Yeah. Mm, thank you for that. And it'll be in the show notes where everybody can follow mm-hmm. Madeline and reach out and experience your, your magic and your medicine. And it'll mm-hmm. probably be in the show notes too, where you can get those recipes and everything Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I'll send out some some recipes I have some good resources that I think people will love Mm. thank you Mm -hmm. thank you so much love yeah thank you Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast please like share download subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and I will See you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.